the R9 fringe, Pizzagate, the special one, and so much more. Welcome to Naughty Footy, a celebration of our favourite decade of football. Yo people, what's good? I'm Yusuf. I'm Ronel. And I'm Louis. And welcome to episode 10 of the Naughty Footy Podcast. I'm going to get 11. 11. Oh, again. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, let's, let's stick with it. All right. Sorry, I got that wrong. Episode 11 of Naughty Footy Podcast. <laughs> so today we're going to be discussing um, Barcelona's treble winning campaign in the 2008-2009 season under the stewardship of Pep Guardiola. Good topic, isn't it? Barcelona were real Spain in the butt that season, weren't they? <laughs> Especially for a certain team from uh, Southwest London. Big facts. <laughs> what do you, what do you, where do we rate that pud? I think that was not bad, you know. Big I, Spain in the butt. I, I, yeah, big Spain. I'll give you a one. six out of ten. You could have elevated it if you made some sort of yeah. Catalonian independence thing in there. Could've could've it it, it could have gone. It's a non-political pod though, isn't it? So. All right, all right. Say that. That no, it, was, it wasn't bad, it wasn't bad. I'll take that. What are, you, what are you rating that, Donnell? Um, maybe a four. Four. Do you know why? Because I, I, I just like the way it winds up, Louis. <laughs> I don't. You, you could you could have said Spain in the bars. Yeah, I could have said that actually. Yeah, that's a good one. Spain in the bars. I, I like that. To be fair, you must have switched roles. You can do the punch for now. <laughs> yeah, for you, real. You, you lot been on to me recently. <laughs> what you man been saying anyway? How you lot been? How you been, Louis? Uh yeah no nah, not bad not bad uh just working still but I had a few days off last week went down to the coast got some romantic it weren't, weren't romantic weren't romantic <laughs> but it was uh oh. nah, it was decent it was decent though for mid September it was like sunny so I just chilled on the beach literally just had a few beers football nah no fo- no football is jarring because um Chelsea played Brighton on the Monday and then I was on the South Coast yeah, on the Wednesday yeah. so the one time. Chelsea get Brighton in yeah. like a start of the season when the sun's out and that and you there's no fans in the ground but uh, but that was alright you spend a lot of time in Brighton don't you is there an issue with that <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying there's an issue okay. you, is there an issue not, not for me <laughs> not for me <laughs> okay, cool moving swiftly on how you been doing what you been doing <laughs> good man just I'm enjoying the football just being back like it's in full swing loving it really is now and Arsenal looking good right now as well. Yeah, definitely. Big games, big couple of games next week, but yeah, man. Away, like a lot better than. Wait, was. So at the beginning, it's weird to think just a year ago, we still had fucking Emery. That that was just a year ago. Yeah, that's amazing. It's been such a long year, like so much has fucking happened. Thanks, COVID. But such is life, man. Such Are we going into life. a second lockdown? Is that is that happening? Cause I, I don't think we'll go into a full blown lockdown again, but I think it'll get more stringent than it is now. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just uh, this ten o'clock pub thing. Yeah, ten p.m. curfew's but, mad. Till, it's saying that's going to last till March. What's that? What's the? Ah, do you know? What? I don't know. Ten p.m. I, I think there should be like a morning like opposite curfew, like you don't have to start working till like ten a.m. or something like that. Yeah, you got, you got to have a little bit of quid pro quo. Do you know what I mean? Go, go both ways with things, but yeah. Cool. So obviously, you lot know I love my music. And since we're focusing on Barcelona on the 08-09 season, um, Barcelona actually had a qualifier in the Champions League. So 
Interestingly, obviously they ended up winning it, but they had a really long Champions League campaign. Um, and that first qualifier was on the 13th of August, 2008. So does anyone know what was number one in the charts on that day? I'm looking at Darnell because you got it right on the last episode. Uh, what genre? You know what? Yeah, this is this is quite poppy, but it's it's it got a, it's got a lot of views on YouTube, but it's not it's not particularly memorable. I, I can't even hum it. I can't sing it. That's that's really unhelpful, isn't it? Yeah, it, is, it is unhelpful. Uh, female, male, male. Sam Sparrow, black and gold. No, nah, that's a banger, by the way. <laughs> Did you choose that because he was on FIFA Nine? Was it? I don't know. I, I just these are all sure puns to me. Now. I can't. I, I can't. I can't place the songs to years, but it's so no, mad. I, I just... remember 2003, but I can't remember 2008. <laughs> that. I can't think of one song that came out in 2008 that would have been in the charts. So this was "Was All Summer Long" by Kid Rock. Yeah, I couldn't tell you how that song goes. Nah, I did use you, and I remembered it, but it, it was only in the chart. It was like literally one of those that was like number one for one week. As that was a boring one, there was a better song um, that was number one. So the, obviously Barcelona's qualifier was midweek um, on the Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever. So on the Friday, there was a new number one and this one was a lot more popular. Anyone want to take this? A pop female American. Beyonce? Mm-hmm. White. Shoot you. <laughs> Katy Perry? I kissed a girl. Yeah, yeah. I kissed a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done, boys. Good teamwork. <laughs> 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 I rate that. Anyone want to sing it? Louis is the si- our resident it. singer, isn't it? I, 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 can't, I can't remember I the, the, the girl and I liked, I liked it. it. That's what I remember. <laughs> Taste of a cherry chapstick. <laughs> the naughty fruity podcast. <laughs> Brighton, get you berry. <laughs> All right, cool. Moving on. So, back to Barcelona. As with all good stories, there's a prequel. So, before the legendary. Uh, treble winning 08-09 campaign it really you always got as I said you always got to start stories with a prequel and we had to just just take a step back before the actual season commenced and, and in the last season before that uh, Frank Reichard who had been at the club since 2003 was actually sacked um, when he actually first joined Barcelona they'd actually gone which seems crazy now they'd gone four years without winning a trophy and he kind of turned things around um, built his team around Ronaldinho signed some really good players the likes of Deco really brought in that kind of total football philosophy that, that you'd expect um, given Rijkaard's uh, football background. And he was a Cruyffite as well, wasn't he? Mm, exactly, so that exactly. history of sort of Barcelona and, and their way of doing things. And that's, yeah, 100%. And then as I said, he turned things around. Um, he didn't win anything in his first, or didn't win the league in his first season. Um, but in 05, 06, he won the Liga. And obviously, very uh, fortunately and luckily, won the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> I think Arsenal 11 men would have won that. I, I just, I, you know, it's just one of those. Actually, you know, I don't think, I know. I'm, I'm pretty certain. I just think anyone in goal other than Almunia, we would have won it. Yeah, yeah. Well, <sighs> here's what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. I can't remember how he did in 06 or 07, but basically in 07 08, they were trophyless. And they actually finished third, 18 points off Real Madrid. That's a massive gap. Uh, obviously lost to United in the semi-final of Champions League. That was Paul Scholes' banger um, at Old Trafford. So I think it was one of those things where, although things probably weren't terrible, but sometimes it's just time for change and, and in came Pep. So who the fuck is Pep Guardiola at this point? <laughs> He's a bit of a nobody. And obviously um, he, he actually had been a Barcelona legend a lot before our time, but he'd played with 
a lot of the ballers that they had in the 90s alongside Rivaldo, uh, Ronaldo, played with Figo, played under Johan Cruyff, obviously, Bobby Robson, um, played with Romario as well, Ladrup. So he, he played with a lot of the legends and he was always, at the, at the time he was playing, I think we probably don't realise this now, but he was regarded as like a massive, massive world-class centre mid. I think he won like the equivalent of the Golden Boy Award when he was under 21, not only played for Barcelona, had like nearly 500 appearances, won every trophy under the sun, so a real legend in the game. And after he retired, he ended up, I think, I don't know if he had a stint before Barcelona. He, he went to Barcelona B. I can't remember if he had a stint elsewhere before that. Mm. Not sure. I know he went like abroad um, after Barcelona, didn't he? Because he ended up in like Qatar or Saudi Arabia or something. But can't remember. But yeah, he ends up, he gets the Barcelona B job. And for those that don't know, obviously in Spain, um, the big clubs have B teams which compete in the lower tiers of the professional game. And it's a kind of, we had a, in England, there was chat about this recently. I think wasn't it's such there? a weird system. I just think it's as in weird as in you don't like it. I don't, I don't like it at all. I, I but you, well, you know, I we've, we semi implemented it here. We've got like academy teams in. Yeah, the we, we have it in the Johnson's Paint Trophy. Which I, I, I don't call that anymore, but. Whatever, whatever yeah, you call yeah. it. I, I don't even like that. But to put, to put, um, to put, second teams or reserve teams in the actual league system yeah it's just i think it's just an insult to, to it just <laughs> it just perpetuates that you got these big teams and no one else can kind of become part of it you know it's, it's sort of the jobs of the, the lower even teams though, even to, though you know so these b teams can't go past a certain point i, d- I don't know what it i don't think they can they, go to the equivalent of the championship I think they can. I think they can well, go they to just the can't second the team. They can't go to the top tier. But okay. imagine they that in England, have as though. many divisions, though. That's the, it's a different professional game, isn't it? In England, you've got like almost five tiers of professional football, and, and even the non-league football is highly competitive. Yeah, right but maybe like that's that. because we have more respect for the game. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? But can you can you imagine? Look, look at look at the championship. How competitive but, it is. How watched it is. But that's how my passionate point. The fans that's, are. That's that's my point. They, I don't think they have that. Championship is like the the fifth in terms of attendances, and even maybe even I think it's the third. I think it's the third after the Premier League and the Bundesliga. To be honest, I think it would actually help the national team, but I know what that's you another, mean, Louis. That's it's, just, it's one of those things where, you know, you'd rather just respect the integrity of the competition. Yeah, there's, there's, there's pros and cons of everything. I just think in terms of respecting the league system, mm. you know, as as your job as a, as a second tier side... They seem quite separate though as well from the main team. Yeah, well, I think clearly clearly they are. You you, you would breed that because I guess you're not just reserves. You have games to play in your own right, trophies to win in your own right. But I yeah. just... I think it's a bit of a strange system. I don't really like it personally. Okay. A bit of English xenophobia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, joking. benefited from it anyway. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea's and their loans have been fucking insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of similar what you've, you lot have done. You lot have had little B teams for Tess, where Robert Rubin lost his cheek is probably heading. After his poor performances. He's, 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 he's heading to Love Island. <laughs> Did you see that thing? He's a better MCM than he is a CM. Yeah, I, I saw. Uh, I saw. He's, he was. He was delighted <laughs> when he heard he was going to the villa, but he, he thought he was going on Love Island, and he couldn't believe he was going to play with Jack Green. Oh, yeah. So, so back to Pep. So he gets a gig with Barcelona B, <clears throat> and it was it was quite a weird gig for him to take because I think he actually got offered the head of the academy job, which was seen as a lot more prestigious. But he obviously wanted to dive deep into management and and take on what he'd learnt from the likes of Boy Robson and Johan Cruyff and, and bring them into management. So when he came in, I think the Barcelona B had actually just been relegated. And of his first three games, he only managed to get one win. So I think he was, was semi-struggling a bit. And I think one of the teams he'd lost to ended up finishing bottom of the league in that season. So struggling a little bit. 
but I think it was all about the process. And you, le- you, you, I've read a few of the interviews from the players he had there, and they said initially things were difficult, but he just kept pressing on with his style of play and keeping it on the floor and playing like a lot of small-sided football and a lot of small pitches. And eventually, the players got used to it. And then uh, they, they pretty much walked the league. I think they finished top, but even even though they finished top, they still had to do like a playoff kind of thing, which they won. And then obviously the manner in which they played, uh, they, they were quite separate to the, as I said, to the main Barcelona team. And this was all in Rijkaard's last year. So this is the year before Pep uh, got the big gig and to be Barcelona's boss. He it was it was seeing that like the B team was better run than the main team. So obviously Guardiola not just a manager but Barcelona legend was impressing the people at the top and I think the top as well is highly political in in, in Spain as well you know like Barcelona and Madrid we, mm. everyone seems to know who their fucking president is um, and obviously we don't have that here in England yeah. so. and I think they almost have like mandates they sort of say yeah, yeah, if, I, do, yeah, if yeah. you vote me and I'm going to get this player yeah. I'm going to sign Ronaldo and whatever and it's just a, again it seems a bit of an odd way to run a football club but yeah and I think I think it was Laporte at the time. Laporta, Laporte. I can't remember his name. Yeah. But he he had a quite a good relationship with Guardiola as well. So I think when when things weren't looking as rosy uh, with Rijkaard, they looked at the B team and thought we've got a gem here in our hands. Um, we're yeah. going to hire him. Yeah, it was actually between him and Jose Mourinho, believe it or not. Because obviously oh, was Mourinho yeah. was was at the club what um, yeah. probably about a decade or so before. Assistant manager under Bobby Robson. Uh, under Bobby Robson. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, I think he worked with uh, the youth teams, and apparently Mourinho played all that football. <laughs> the same <laughs> La Masia. What you respect? People need to respect Mourinho, you know. Respect, yeah. respect, 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 man, <laughs> respect. But then, obviously, they'd seen what he'd done at Chelsea and they were like, seen what he did at Porto, done what he did at Chelsea. I mean, to be honest, the football, we discussed it in one of the previous pods. The football that he, he played at Porto wasn't bad. I mean, you know, you know, they kept possession the same way that Barcelona do, but it was his stint at Chelsea that probably ruined his reputation a little bit to say he was almost the antithesis of um, what Guardiola did. Mm. And in the end, they've gone for Guardiola because they felt like the style of football was more important than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Agreed. Especially coming after Rijkaard as well. They, they yeah. probably wanted someone in that mould, but that could take them further. Okay, cool. And just some of the stuff Pep did. So he apparently introduced fines. I thought everyone had this, but maybe not back then. Or maybe not in Spain anyway. Um, apparently really in-depth opposition scouting. Remember, this is like the third tier of Spanish football as well. So practically unheard of at that level. Um, and as I said, it, it just became apparent that the B team was, was run a lot better than Frank Rijkaard's team. But, but starting with Pep, one of the first things he did um, was sell. He's well, probably the best player in the world at the time, ish. Ronaldinho, Mister Mister Ronaldinho. <laughs> so, yeah, best this in the world. I don't know. He won. He was like Ballon d'Or winner around this time. Oh, seven, eight, Kaka. Kaka. Yeah, Kaka. Yeah. Well, because I mean, Dino obviously was <coughs> on another planet in two thousand and six, and then his decline started. And for me, I mean. Um, I, I think Ronaldinho, so it, looking back on it, I think it's a tragedy that he didn't... He wasn't like a Messi or Ronaldo. Yeah, I think he could have been. I think he could have been if he if he, d- if he didn't love all the brasses and drinking and <laughs> drugs and whatever. Because um, for me, he's, he's the best player I've seen live by quite a long way. I, I've, I've, he does he done things that I've never seen anyone else do. Um, and if he had <clears throat> half the de- dedication that some of these other boys had, I think he could have had the longevity and just kept performing at that level he was just that good he was just on another planet um yeah but clearly right from the start of his career you know he 
football was always a game to him. I don't think it was ever like war like it was to some of these other boys. You know what I mean? Yeah, Ronaldo uh, is war, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and, and you got to respect that. And, and maybe that was part of, 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 of how he was the player that he was. Yeah, if he was about war, he he probably wouldn't have been the same player that he was. Maybe, maybe yeah. so, maybe maybe so, and you know, um, but he he was never, I think, the mo- the the fittest. He, he he always liked to party. He's probably like you know didn't have the best diet and all, and all these things. And, don't um, blame him to be fair. <laughs> you know, what I mean, when when you got that much tech just given by God, you, <laughs> yeah. you, sometimes you just, you just roll with it. But um, but Pep obviously made the call. You know, maybe a, bo- a bold call. A massively bold call, and, and I think it was partly in terms of him maybe sensing the 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 decline of Ronaldinho in terms of himself, but also I think his influence on other players at the club, in particular Messi, who was you know in the early stages of his sort of meteor meteoric rise. So I saw I was looking up the I saw an interview with Hleb who said that uh, once Ronaldinho and Deco turned up pissed to training, yeah, and <laughs> and and. And at that stage, obviously, Ronaldinho, Ballon d'Or winner, idolised by the young players at the club. Messi was one of them. Messi was getting a lot of injuries at those time, um, a lot of muscular injuries. He was also on the, what's it, the growth hormone that Barca supplied him at the start. And they said that they just noticed that Ronaldinho was sort of taking him off the rails a little bit, couldn't stick with his diet, couldn't stick with this, couldn't stick with that. So maybe as well as Ronaldinho in terms of his own form, and his own output as a player, as a player, yeah. Pep's thinking, what's his influence on the dressing room? Maybe it's time for for an overhaul um, and to sort of start building the team and the club around homegrown players, your Javis, Iniestas, those sort of guys who all they want to do is kick ball. They're probably not interested in going out and doing all the mad things that that Dino was doing. So Dino obviously got sold then to to AC Milan, where. He enjoyed himself, had a good time, but he he didn't hit the heights again, and he continued to sort of <clears throat> he he didn't just completely spiral out of control, but he he wasn't the player he was in in the mid noughties after that. Yeah, and, and another player that he tried to sell was uh, Samueletto. <laughs> yeah, and that was, I mean, <laughs> when you actually look at what happened in the season, to think that he was going to sell Eto is, is unbelievable. Eto did a mad thing that year. He he did, and and I think. At the time, there were, apparently Eto was a bit feisty in training. He was a bit. He's, he used to fight and he used to cause a few problems. And you, even now, he speaks. He has interviews and he speaks his mind. He he says that he respects Pep as a coach, but he doesn't respect him as a man. All that kind. Of, he's mm. not the first person or the mm. last person that's going to say that. It seems. And it's crazy, really. Like, after everything that Pe- that, uh, that Eto did in that season, that still sort of Guardiola's mind was made up. He obviously uh, he sold him in the swap deal. With Ibrahimovic, so he just—that was a season. That was a season later, but he—he yeah. he, in the end, he yeah. was forced to keep him because he played. Yeah, that's, so that's what I'm saying. But oh, even okay, even yeah. after what he did in that yeah. season, obviously treble winner, uh, what he did scoring in the Champions League final for everything he did, his yeah. mind wasn't really changed. That was a really be- weird deal because he still he, he still swapped and parted with what was it forty million? Yeah, forty million yeah. at the time. That is an unbelievable <laughs> deal for Inter Milan. It's so disrespectful for to Eto. I think. Oh my days! So, well, I don't I don't want this to be a part of of theory peddling. But comments have often been made by the likes of Yoyo Torre and Eto about Guardiola's record with African players. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you know what? I, I think it's maybe more of a feeling towards uh, his own players. So the players that came from La Masia, because if you look yeah. at how La Masia dominated, that team ended up becoming. I think he just yeah. wanted players that were educated because even in the academy, Guardiola was her- like heralded as this great like baller, which obviously he was. 
to the point where La Masia was full of Guardiola's because everyone wanted to play like Pep Guardiola. So yeah. that's probably what he was thinking. Like, I've got a bunch of people that are like me in the academy. I want them to come through. So it probably had an impact on... Yeah, I think he was the sort of person who just... He didn't really like enigmas. He, wa- he wanted, you know, the simple things and knows what, knows what he was getting to sort of shape football in a very scientific and sort of technical way, which actually makes you think, why, why did he go for Ibrahimovic as part of that squad? Because that was never going to work out. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not going to get him to, to stand in line. And obviously that went tits up as well. And he doesn't speak very well of Pep either. So, yeah, yeah the whole Eto thing and then what happened, what followed with Ibrahimovic is a bit of an odd turn of events but but yeah in the end the leaders of the dressing room kept Eto um, at the club and I think in the end that's probably why they won the treble well, aside from the sale of Ronaldinho they also made just a number of really good signings um, yeah. in Pep's first window so the key signings really were um, Dani Alves from Sevilla uh, great great how much was he Less than 30 million, I swear. It would have been, I think it was less than 30 million. Yeah. So between, between, 20, between 20 and 30. That was, that was an amazing time. I mean, it, it would have been like a, a decent amount of money for a right back. Then, back then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, might have broken the record for right backs, but. They signed Cater as well, whose impact really was felt more probably the season Kater. after. Kater. Yeah. Oh, Sadie Cater, yeah, yeah, yeah. the midfielder. Yeah. Um, Iniesta was injured this season after quite a bit, so Cater filled in. So he, he didn't really have much of an impact in that 08 09 season, but he did play. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Gerard Piquet. <laughs> from United, out there still to this day. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably massive. the only one mm. from from back then. Still then, there. Well, Busquets, 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 yeah. Busquets, yeah. Okay, true. And but I even then, that was a promotion. Promoted, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a promotion from to the, the first team. team so, uh, Yaya Torre was obviously still there, so he played most of the games in that defensive midfield slot. But Busquets obviously had his fair share of games and eventually uh, got Yaya Torre out of the team. So, solid signings and and signings that were going to sort of mark that Barcelona side for the next few years. Yeah, so it's a bar cater. They were all, all they were all key <coughs> signings for Barcelona, as you said, for a number of years. Um so moving on, we we've spoken a bit about Pep and what inspired him, but if we this this if we want to go a bit deeper into the, how he played, how he set his team up, what they did, why they were so effective, what what did they do that other clubs weren't doing at the time? So playing out from the back was a massive thing. Mm. I know it sounds weird because you see so many teams do yeah. it now, like literally the, the smallest clubs in the Prem. We do it for our Sunday league team. <laughs> We're encouraged, play it out for the back. And it's like, you know, obviously before, uh, it wasn't that long ago anyway, uh, you couldn't stand in the box when the goalkeeper was taking a goal kick. Yeah, so even the, the rules are bending to suit, yeah, to the, suit the, the tactical innovation. Exactly. So you had maybe Puyol on the left side of the defence. Yeah. So, well, left centre back and then PK, right centre back, split. Um, at the side of each side of the box and then Valdez will be playing the ball to him and I think Valdez and Pinto actually discussed this and and Valdez was like are you you sure you want me to be doing this you know (laughs) playing it to the centre like it's risky football because if they lose the ball there's a shot on goal but look stick with the principles work with me and this is how we're going to play and this is how it's going to work and um, it helped have it must have helped having someone like Guardiola, as you said, like he was just like heralded um, in the academy yeah, rather yeah. than any like Frank Lampard kind of guy telling him this. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I think um, Pinto even says he was worried like, well, if it doesn't work, they're going to kill me. And Pep said, no, look, I will make sure that I take all the flack for it. And then essentially they... They wanted the fullbacks to bomb on, mm. but they, they had a system where 
everyone had to stick to their position up until the final third. Okay. So, but you had, and it was so, you had to stick to it so much that you get subbed if you didn't. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think Henri tells a story of like running over to the right hand side, playing a one two with Messi, then going on and scoring a goal, and he got subbed at half time for doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's because he wanted the uh, the wide players to stay high and wide. He wanted the left centre midfielder to stay in on the left side of the pitch to create a triangle with the left back and the left centre mid, and also the defensive mid. And yeah. he wanted the right sided midfielder to do the same thing on the right hand side so it was all about creating triangles to move further up the pitch and then not standing too close to each other standing a certain distance away from each other to receive the ball um the wide players making runs in behind to to preoccupy the defenders so that no one could come and pick up the likes of iniesta and xavi but it also relied very heavily on their technical ability because when it did get tight in the middle they could just dribble out of positions and then work it into the final third so it was just about the movement on the pitch was just about giving everyone enough time on the ball to work the ball forward. And obviously we understand how important triangles are in football because that's the best way to get around opponents. Pass and move, pass out, and move. Just outnumbering them. Mm. And then when you get into the final third, that's where the freedom comes in. Messi, Eto, Henri, they can mix, mix it up, make runs. And um, another thing that was important was working it to one side of the pitch. And because the wide player stayed so high and wide it will come back into the midfield they'll switch it over to the to the wide position and that person will be completely free because the whole opposition would have been dragged towards one one side of the pitch so those were the basic the fundamentals and i think as the season went on he pep had a new tactical innovation and we're going to talk about that 6-2 game at the Bernabeu, mm. where messi that was one of the first times that messi played as a false nine yeah, yeah. And it pretty much changed everything, to be honest, because at that point, they had an extra man dropping from the front three into the midfield. And it basically made a four-man midfield, which teams just couldn't pick up, especially yeah. when you've got players of that ability that can dribble, pass, everything. Mm. It was just devastating. It was. It was indeed. I don't know where this came from, but obviously this tactical innovation came with a name. I don't know if it was named like that at the time. It probably was. Tiki Taka. I don't know if you guys know the origins. I think that's actually like deemed semi-offensive. I think them. it was initially. Because I think it's like it was derogatory origins. initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like onomatopoeic, isn't it? It might be, but I, 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 I think it. I, I can't. Oh, I did read something ages ago. I think. I think the name came from maybe like a, a couple of years before a team was playing, and that but it was more offensive, as you said, in derogatory, because I think a team was constantly keeping possession. But wasn't being particularly um, penetrative with it, and it was more like pass, 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 pass. Tiki taka. Maybe it is a bit. <laughs> maybe it is a bit on the mat for you. Um, but yeah, so and that name. Yeah, came I think it was named after Richard Tiki Taka, the, the, the first <laughs> manager to try. But, but obviously, on a lot more glowing terms under Pep Guardiola. So he came with all this tactical innovation. Uh, we didn't. Well, we got to see it in his first couple of competitive fixtures. And it didn't look amazing at that point. Well, that's a bit harsh, but it didn't look like it was instinct, like initially or instinctively working for Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, they lost to Numancia in uh, the first game of the season. They lost 1-0. Yep. And then they drew with Racing Santander. Um, I'm liking the Spanish pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's just like, you're thinking, well, it's, you know, all of... All of these ideas, all of this philosophy, what's, what's it really, how's it really working? But funny enough, you describe how he struggled in the first few games for the Barcelona B team. And um, 
he was getting a lot of criticism for yeah, yeah, these two similar. results. Yeah, he also um, lost. They also lost. Well, they won the first leg at home um, in the Champions League qualifier, but they lost the away leg one 0 as well to Whistler Krakow. Yeah, so <laughs> these, these are poor, poor results early doors. In that's not yeah. what you want when you just start as a manager, especially at a club like Barcelona where the fans get onto you for absolutely everything. Mm, mm. But he said uh, um, that experience in the B team probably stood him in good stead because he basically said that that was the only time that he ever doubted himself. And because it came good in the end, yeah, he decided that he was never going to change his principles and he stuck with it, with it. And then after that, they just went on to yeah. win and they went they won well, 6-1. Three, two, two, one. That's six, six one. Atletico Madrid as well, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, the six one against Atletico Madrid. That's a massive team in Spain, obviously. And I think, sorry, go on. No, no, I was just just saying like these are the kind of results that sort of put the confidence back into the team to, yeah. to yeah. sort of kick on. No, definitely. And, and and I think a lot of a lot of people <laughs> in a lot of different walks of life would say, well, you know, whatever happens, I always stick to my ideas. I think this is one instance where where with with Pep, you sort of believe him. Because you see him doing interviews these days sometimes when, when Man City get beaten that and oh, it's the best I've ever seen him play. It's almost annoying. It's almost <laughs> like it like it seems arrogant that that he says it and I just feel like this guy could get pumped four 0 every week, but if he believed he was doing it the right way, he would just keep doing it until either the results turn around or he gets sacked. I just don't think it's the sort of guy who would ever go but I, I don't know. I'm going to put uh, Edison up front and uh, start lumping, lumping, lumping up to him. There's only one strip here. Yeah, there's only one strip here. <laughs> Interestingly enough, though, I do think that it's, it's all about the Cruyff influence. Mm. So, funny enough, Cruyff was one of the first people that ran to his defence. And yeah. um, I think Jordi Cruyff, who played for Man United, his son, yeah. uh, said that his dad said it was the best game he'd seen in years. Like talking about one of the first two games where they didn't win. I think yeah. that was the first game against were they Numancia who just just come up and they'd um and they obviously lost one 0 So yeah, and he even Jordi Crowe was like, oh bloody hell, dad, what are you on about? We've just lost. They've lost to Numancia. How how can you say that? That's the but it's Crowe looking that that's the Crowe idea. He's looking at the long term. He's not just thinking about results, results, results. If anything, Crowe probably would have been less happy if they were playing long balls and won four 0 So. And Unser Cruyff as well, we, I, I know we've touched on him, but just to give some of the younger listeners, even our age listeners, <laughs> a bit of a history lesson. Obviously, he was a Dutch Ajax legend. I, I can't remember. I think it's the 70s where he was with Ajax and they yeah. kind of brought in that total football and then he brought it in. Won three Champions Leagues in a row. Three European Cups in a row, yeah. Knocked out Arsenal. <laughs> Sad. And then, <laughs> and then obviously um, won it. As a manager as well, I think I think at the time, I've been the third or fourth person. I think only seven, uh, seven people have done it at the time. It must be in third or fourth. Won it as a manager mm. as well, and he, he was Playing the first. That football. was the first team Barcelona team to ever win the Champions League as well. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, this little little bit of a history lesson about growth. So you can see the influence. So results start picking up, don't they? They do. So yeah, sort of as we were alluding to, just Pep just weren't gonna gonna change what he was doing and and. Um, again, in in, a, in an interview, right, rightfully so, that I saw with with Hleb in the same time he, he spoke. Guna, yeah, Guna. Listen to Guna's then. <laughs> Just doing my research, mate. No, I reckon you saw Hleb. You, you, a bit. Yeah, I know you don't hate Arsenal. What's that? You don't hate Arsenal. I, mean, I don't hate Arsenal. But you don't hate Arsenal. I, I, Deep down, you don't. Go on, okay, carry on. Okay, sorry, whatever sorry. you say, whatever you say. <laughs> anyway, so we're looking at this, and 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 Hleb said it was. He had a bit of a split within the dressing room, so. They've just lost to a newly promoted team. 
they've then had a long international break for two weeks where it's time to go back to the training ground, right? First game, zero points, galvanise yourself, whatever. He's come back with the exact same ideas. They've, they've drawn one all. So now this is the mighty Barcelona have got one point after four games. And this guy is still saying, you know, great work, boys. We're not going to change anything. And there was a bit of a divide in the changing room. He's getting a bit of stick in the press as to whether people are thinking, come on, let's let's try something different. And nobody, well, not nobody, but in terms of management. And nobody yeah, he's, 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 not, he's well. not won anything, you know, he's a respected person. Yeah. But there are plenty of respected players who've gone into management positions and haven't delivered. We've, we've seen it before, we've seen it since. Yeah? <laughs> We're going to see it again this season. We might, well, we, we, we might do, Lampard, we might not, but, nah, but you, you don't know. But I think a lot, like we were sort of saying earlier, like the the La Masia graduates, mm. they seem to have faith in Guardiola. Um, and yeah, they go out, They the next week they they, they put six path Atletico um, and then they, they start, you know, they start rolling. I think they, they in the next 20 games, I think they won 19 and drew one or something like that in the league. And it all just started coming together. Um, Messi had sort of taken up that mantle. Ronaldinho had left. He'd taken the number 10 shirt. So still young at, at this point. I don't know how old Messi 20, was. 21, I think 21. Yeah, Messi was so young. Um, but he, he, he really started d- delivering. But, he, but what Pep had done, he's built this team around... Xavi and Iniesta, you know, talking about the the ticker tacker, you can't really choose two better players for that. Yeah, um, and Xavi, who had been talking about a, a sale to Bayern Munich in the summer, Pepper convinced him to stay and sort of looked to be building a team around these guys who, interestingly, uh, sort of years prior to that, were competing to, with, for the same position. It's funny you say that. So I just remembered something as well about Xavi. He, he probably stayed because he believed in the Pep project. When Pep left Barcelona in 2000 or whatever it was, one of the reasons he said he actually left was because he didn't agree with the style of football they were going to be employing. So he went to like quite a physical approach, but carry on. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so it, it just kind of shows, yeah, yeah. These, these guys who are sort of um, football intellectuals, I guess, both of them. And yeah, the results started delivering. And, it, and it, I think it's interesting what, what happened with Messi, which I guess we'll talk about later because it, the team wasn't built around him. The GOAT! He, the he, fucking he, GOAT! All right, respect Messi, bud. I'm sick of the Messi uh, slander, bro. And he's got, he started into the team. <laughs> um, he, he started, I guess, getting his getting his head down or whatever. The, the injury started to sort of iron out, um, and 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 he starts to come into their own. Barcelona put together a, a great run, and um, and uh, the sort of faith in Guardiola starts to build. It's interesting you say that because by the middle of February, Barcelona had only actually dropped seven points in the league, and obviously. I think the bulk of them would come in those first couple of games. And after this point, they actually dropped 20. But obviously, that had a lot to do with the compositions. They were still in, still in the Champions League, still in the Copa del Rey. Um, so still fighting on, on multiple fronts. But if we just go to Bar- to Real Madrid, sorry, because obviously, I think you can't really discuss Barcelona without talking about Real Madrid, especially when we're talking about the Liga. And we talked about how Barcelona almost were just running away with it. And Madrid... Ended up finishing nine points behind, but they actually sacked um, their German gaffer, Bern Schuster, in December. Um, I think they'd lost to Sevilla 4-3. And he'd come out and also said something weird. Basically said, we're not going to beat Barcelona in the El Clasico. <laughs> and obviously that's like suicide. Yeah, <laughs> What's the paper in was it La Masa? Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, they just ripped it to shreds. And once they're on you, that, that's kind of it for you, as, as Gareth Bell has recently found out. And then, funnily enough, do you know who replaced him? Do you remember? Yeah, I do. Juan de Ramos. Yeah, he did. He Tottenham was, legend. He was a laughing stock in England. Obviously, he had a really good reputation before he came. Came to Tottenham, did fuck all. 
They were, they were, yeah, they were like in the relegation zone around Christmas, yeah, weren't they? He yeah, really yeah. Took, took him down. Yeah, they were flopping. And and as I say, he was. It, I can't. There was. I think there was other funny things about him. Maybe the way he spoke, he kind of got mocked as well. <laughs> I bet there's people make puns about his name. Uh, well, you're oh. the pun, man. I, I don't know. Man, I'll just make them both. I don't. I don't three other people's because I know mine are ten out of ten. <laughs> uh, but I remember he, he was quite a laughing stock. But he got he got the gig at, at Real Madrid. And in his first 18 games, we talked about Barcelona's run. He actually won 17 and drew one in the league. And then we go to the Bernabeu for Real Madrid, who welcomed Barcelona. Yeah, and this was... <laughs> this was... But, by the way, Boston had already beaten Real Madrid um, at the Camp Nou. I used, did, did you always call it the Camp Nou? Sorry. New Camp. I, I, I said New Camp. Calling new it camp. The new yeah. camp. I wasn't sure if that was just me or my memory was I, failing I, I mix me. it up all the time. I, I don't know what to call it. To but I feel like when we were growing up, this Camp Nou thing wasn't really a thing. Not in England anyway. Yeah, I think... I, I, think I always I, grew up calling it the New Camp. But I, I don't really get that though. Like, I, I don't either, know where it's come from. I don't know where it's come from. But I, I, I reckon it's probably been... It's probably right in Spain, the Camp Nou. We like... Anglified it for ages. Is that ang- is that an Anglification though? I don't, I don't know. The, the, it must be because the new know, camp. The, the, the new the camp. Translation yeah. probably means because if it's like if it's new, new, yeah, something, yeah, yeah. or camp, but you wouldn't say camp. We always I put, don't know what camp means in Spanish. <laughs> in, in I don't know Catalan. But we always put the adjective yeah. before the noun, don't we? Yeah. So we probably did that. But then recently, I don't know. We've just yeah, thought, we, fuck we, it. Let's just do look, it. Right we, we can go PC. tangentially down into the uh, semantics <laughs> piece of it, but. Uh, uh, so yeah, so we yeah, arrived. I don't know, mate, at Barcelona FC, FC Barcelona, New yeah, Camp. That's true, that's true. Only only team in the football league with the FC before the before the. Is that a quiz question? For yeah, you? it is. Yeah, Bournemouth. I think yeah, I think it's AFC Bournemouth. Bournemouth. I think it's AFC, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't anyway. fucking test me like that, bro. But isn't it AFC Wimbledon as well? It is. Oh yeah, you said right. there's one. Bro, come on, mate. Come on, mate. <laughs> yeah, but that's, you're that's, not, that's you're that's not a good quiz master. That's only. Con- all, right, yeah. all right, let's go back to Boston right. Madrid. So let's Boston already beaten them at the Camp Nou slash New Camp. What in the was league. the points difference? I think it was four points, wasn't it? At this point, it was quite tight. Yeah. So going into a massive game, massive game for both gaffers. Wander Ramos is trying to prove his worth as well. He's obviously got a big gig. Guardiola needs to prove that he, it's not just about smacking up the small teams when it comes to the El Clasico. Um, he can perform. And let's talk about how that game went. Yeah, and I think it's one of those where um, one of those kind of beautiful times as a football fan, as a, I hate the word neutral, not as a neutral, because none of us are neutrals. And yeah, it's I hate neutrals. But like you go in there and you don't support either of these teams or you're watching it back home. It's not a cagey affair. Both gaffers are just are really going for it, playing attacking teams. Um, and it just ended up being a game where the Guardiola, who was the tactician who, who, who got the edge of it, um, but if if you look if you look at the Real Madrid team um, going forward, they look sort of shit hot. Um, so you got Iguain, uh who was up and coming. You know, had a lot less timber, a lot more hair back in those days. Raúl, who was aging but still doing his stuff. Robin was on the right wing, and Marcelo was more advanced. Yeah. So you know they 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 were were great as a team going forward. Obviously. So Barca started with Henri on the right-hand side, Eto down the middle and, and Messi on the left. But I think where the, the game, Barca started controlling the game, Real Madrid started with sort of two midfield of, of uh, Lasana Diara and, and, and Gago. And then um, Barca had Torre, Iniesta and Xavi. Yeah. Um, so, well, in terms of, so we know how they started and we, can't, we know how Pep would have ish, tactically set up, don't we? Yeah, to, to be honest, I think Pep actually, um, like on paper, it, it may 
Real Madrid probably would have thought that that's how they would have lined up. But in the end, Messi did basically play as a false nine. Yeah, but I think I think that was a, that was an in-game change. In-game I, I, change. I, I think I think so. He start he started with, and if you look at the early proportion of the game, so I think it was. Let's talk about the, well, let's talk about the goals then, and, and see how and why Pep reacted in the way he did. Yep. Yeah, so um, so there it was there was goals early in the game. Barca Barca went one one up early doors, and then. Real Madrid equalise through through Sergio Ramos was, was playing at a right back um, puts and a good, it, good cross I puts suppose. a good cross in and, and, and Iguain scores and then so it's sort of an end to end game things are opening up early on but Guardiola makes a tactical change because Real Madrid is sort of a little bit lethargic when when Barcelona have the ball they're not pressing and. So what what Guardiola does? He swaps Eto with Messi, yeah. puts Eto wide, and drops uh, Messi into the. This is the first time we sort of see the the false nine position. Yeah, yeah. He, he he drops into the midfield, and what that does is you've got two sort of aging centre halves for for Real Madrid in, in Metzelder and um and Cannavaro, who then go to Messi, press him, and then that just creates all kind of spaces in behind, um for for the midfielders to run into and for, for Henri to just get in behind. Which is what he does when um, he, get, he he plays a nice one-two with Messi. Messi has a nice lofted ball. Yeah, Henri, cent- typical Henri finish. The centre-backs get sucked out. Yeah. Messi just finds him with a sort of exquisite... Ramos drop. tries to like overhead kick the yeah, ball, yeah, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. But you can see why... Like, there's no way of him getting it. It was, it was almost heroic what he tried to do. But yeah, yeah Henri, Henri kind of gets the equaliser. Typical Henri finish, left-hand side, right-footed into the corner. And as you said, that was kind of instigated by Pep's tactical switch. Yeah, and what and what you end up in what you end up with there is Real Madrid just completely and utterly overran in midfield. Yeah. You've got Real Madrid, you've got two two uh midfielders, Marcelo and Robin are sticking out wide, so they're almost part of the sort of forwards. Yeah. Um so Robin and Marcelo are working hard down their wings to support their fullbacks in eight say um, and Sergio Ramos, but they've but which leaves them only two in the middle against probably four of the best players in the world Fair at the time. time. Yeah, in yeah, Torre, yeah. who got subbed right, you get rid of Torre and put Busquets in there. So either Torre slash Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta, and Messi, they just absolutely dominated the midfield. Yeah, um, Xavi, as ran, they did in most games. Yeah, <laughs> as, as they did in most games. Xavi ran the show. He got four assists. Um, Messi actually missed a few sitters. To be fair, yeah, he which did. which he which he'd normally expected to put away. He got he got two anyway. And they just they just demolished him. They just they just took him apart. Um, so well, they go two one. Well, so it was one one in terms of taking him apart. It was one one, and I think that one one lasted quite a while. And both teams did have chances. Um, it did look like Barcelona had the edge. I think I think you've got to say I, I don't know about a Clasico. I still think as an away team it's tougher, um, even given this result. But Barcelona do go back in front. Piol gets a header. From a shabby corner, I believe. I don't know if it was a cross or a corner. I think it was a corner. And Piel puts them back in front. And I think that might be how it goes in half time. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so, that, so, that, so they go in and, and, get, and get their noses in front. Um, but then they really start to, to, to sort of dominate um, the ball in the middle of the park, uh, turn, th- turn the screw, um, and eventually um, obviously go and, go and get the third goal. At which point they're. They're obviously con- controlling it and look to be on the hunt for for a fourth. And then, like like these games go, sometimes when they're swinging from end to end, Real Madrid come back into it. Which they get a sock goal from a set piece. Yep. Um, Ramos pops up like he's been doing for f- 15 years, 
now gets on, gets on the end of Ramos one. is a fucking baller, bro. He's, he's, I know, he's more, Ramos is a god to me, bro. I'm not going to lie. No, he's a, he's a, he's a joke. He's, he's a, a joke. fucking man. Just, like, you just, can't even deny just pops up man. the goals he gets. He, he's he's techie as well, bro. Important goals. Important goals. Real techie. So that so that that brings it back in um, in for for three two, and then uh, I can't remember if Messi got the got the fourth one actually or, or Henri. Henri. Henri got the fourth. Yeah. So this 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 is where yeah, Xavi plays him through, and Casillas comes out in in no man's land. Yeah. And Henri just sort of finishes. But it's just the space that's created him behind by um, Messi just sort of playing in this hole where Real Madrid don't know whether to drop a midfielder off onto him, which they can't really do because they've only got two in midfield anyway, or yep. bring a centre half out to him, um, which they which they ended up doing on, on a number of occasions, and it just created his space in behind for Henri to to run into, and Casillas doesn't know what to do. Either he lets Henri run through and have a one-on-one -one with him, which is only really <laughs> one, one outcome there. Yep. He tries to commit himself. He comes out. He, get, he gets he, he gets picked off, and 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 then that 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 was the story of it. And 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 from then on, Real Madrid, who probably were lucky to come back into it, a three-two, just got picked off. Xavi again instrumental, um, having a lot of the ball in midfield. Real Madrid don't know whether to put a, a midfielder on him, um, drop off. They don't know whether to to bring the defense out to him. He 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 waits for the perfect time as three players around him, and drops it to Messi, who sort of drops the shoulder to Casillas, puts it in at the near post, and then at this point, Real Madrid are just waiting for the final whistle. Yeah, it's embarrassing. At this hope, point. Hoping for it, and and it's it's like a training game at this point. It's like a five aside, um, <laughs> and PK ends up sort of running up the pitch, not even on a set piece or anything, in open play, finds himself at the centre forward position. The ball drops to him in the sort of eight yards from goal and he manages to steer it home for for six and it's just embarrassing at that point for for Real Madrid and one day Ramos. Again, and that's their first loss in 19. I mean, the league's, that's that's the league kind of done at that point. You know how it is in Spain. <coughs> you pick up the points against the other big side and, and you've kind of won the yeah, league. Yeah, because it's head-to-head, um, -head, isn't it? Yeah, it's head-to-head. Yeah, it's head-to-head as well, yeah. And yeah, and that no, was God, it really. No, there no, was God, two draws, two losses for Barcelona for the rest of the season and they still ended up winning the league. Yeah, yeah. Champions. They dropped lot. They dropped more points, I think, in like their last two games, or last three or four games, than they did for like twenty five. The previous twenty five is something stupid like that. Um. So, yeah, and as you said, but at this point they'd they'd wrapped up the league. There was no catching them from Real Madrid. Onto the Copa del Rey. So they, <laughs> it's always funny looking at the teams they play <laughs> in Spain. Benidorm, yeah, because <laughs> we don't imagine, associate these. Imagine going to Benidorm away, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> There's this British association we have with these players. Wasn't you know Abifa played Abifa went one 0 up. Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah, Abifa, yeah, yeah. Recently yeah. against was that against Barcelona as well? Yeah, it was against yeah, Barcelona. Yeah, 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 Abifa yeah. won up. Yeah. Robin Hawkins thought he was gonna a beef away <laughs> next season. Sheffield United behave. <laughs> um yeah, so I, I just love how they play all these teams that have these totally different associations for us Brits. Um so the Copa del Rey I hate to say it, but it was, it was a fairly simple campaign. I think they they they, they blitzed past Atletico Madrid, similar to how they did in the league. Their biggest test seemed to come up against Espanyol in the quarterfinal. And then obviously there's a bit more magnitude to that game because those are their fellow Barcelona um, local rivals. Yep. And they drew the first leg away, nil-nil. I think they'd already, one of the teams they'd lost to in the league was Espanyol, away from home. And then, oh no, sorry, they lost to them at home in the league. Can I make a bit of a strange comment? Go on. Espanol, don't you think it's a bit of a weird name for a Spanish team? 
It'd be like, it'd be like, yeah, it'd yeah. be like the VAT called English. English, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're in, and they're in Barcelona. Yeah, I wonder if, I wonder if it's political. There's a place in, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're in, they're in Catalonia, and they're called Espanol. There's yeah. a place in um, Barcelona called Espanol. Is sure. there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that, just, that might explain that. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not actually as deep as we thought. <laughs> so yeah, so as I said, um, so Barcelona's biggest test in the Copa del Rey probably came in this quarterfinal game against Espanol. Or quarter final tie because it's it's two legs in Spain against Espanyol, and they'd already lost to them in the league at the new camp slash Camp Nou, and then they drew the first leg away nil nil. So they came to Camp Nou. Barcelona raced into a three nil lead. It looked fairly simple, um, typical Barcelona, and then Espanyol brought it back to three two, and they kind of peppered them for the last X amount of minutes, but Barcelona hung on, and from then it was just kind of plain sailing. They had a semi final. They played the final a couple of weeks before the Champions League final, and Barcelona. It went actually went one 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 in that game with Athletic Bilbao. Barcelona took the league, they equalised, and then Barcelona just put them to the sword and ended up being four one. So it's fairly simple to be fair. No, didn't come up against Real Madrid. He was probably the only team in that competition that can really give them a test, especially when it's two legs. Um, so that was that was that for the Copa del Rey. Quite simple. Sure, they don't they don't put the same emphasis on. On the domestic cup, as I we do here, I don't think. I think other, other nowadays it's similar. People don't put that much emphasis on the FA Cup anymore, sadly. Yeah, maybe it's that though, I, I, mean, I don't know. It's always the, it's always the big hitters that it win. It's usually, yeah, yeah. In Spain and in England, really. Yeah, yeah, it's facts. Yeah, but I, 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 I still think in England, people I don't care I don't more about it, like in terms of smaller teams and that. I, I just think... The smaller clubs do, yeah. I think the bigger clubs... I don't, I don't. I don't think we care for it as much intrinsically, but I think we care for it because we usually end up playing another bigger club who's a rival, and it's no, like we can't so. lose to them. <laughs> maybe like the last FA Cup final, you know, when Arsenal beat Chelsea. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the Champions League because we've kind of neglected that so far, apart from the qualifier that they went through against the Krakow side. But Barcelona kind of went through the group stage fairly simply. Well, they lost a couple of games in the group stage actually. Yeah, but they, they still yeah. uh, they, they still, still top, top the group. group. Yeah, still pretty comfortable um, in terms of just topping the group. Yeah, um, last sixteen they played Lyon. They played Lyon. Lyon, who had obviously been on a massive run, long run in, of doing fairly well in the Champions League, getting to the knockout phases and sometimes the quarterfinals. The best team in France at the time. It weren't the PSG we have now. Yeah, Lyon won like was it like seven? Eight, it was seven, seven in a row. Seven league right. titles yeah. in a row. Yeah, in fact, yeah. that might have been the first season that they didn't win one. Mm. Uh, when uh, ooh, I can't remember who won it that year, but yeah, they, that was the first. I think it might have been Toulouse. Um, so yeah, they they breeze past that uh, Lyon. Uh, the first leg was one all, but that's an advantage that you take into the second leg. I, I think that first leg was the one where Janinho scored that three, three kick. kick. Oh from, yeah, from yeah, it was. It yeah. was right down pretty much by the corner flag. Janinho, unbelievable, unbelievable free kick, and then Henri equalised. Obviously, returning to uh, France and scoring a goal. Rap. Don't ever put disrespect on this guy's name. <laughs> Someone was trying to tell me Aguero was better than him recently. Uh, move shout on, out move that on, move on, move on, move on. I can't remember who you are, but shout move out. Move on, it's a short podcast. Right, cool. I haven't got time Sorry. to... <laughs> Sorry, get carried away. Your and propaganda then, every week. And then, yeah, they, back in Barcelona, they, they smashed Leon 5-2, 6-3 on aggregate. And then, obviously, you got a big tie against Bayern Munich. I mean, at the time, you know, Bayern Munich... Uh, I guess this was the start of them sort of really picking themselves up. The resurgence. They were, they, yeah, they were, it was more of a resurgence than anything. But obviously, this was Barcelona coming to the peak of their powers very quickly under Guardiola. Yeah. Managed yeah. to smash them 5-1 on aggregate. I'd almost say, though, just, just a slight tweet. I, I'd say this was almost 
Bayern Munich hitting their rock bottom because they they just lost five one to Wolfsburg, and I think they I think Wolfsburg might have won the Bundesliga as well that year. So yeah. I think this is when when Bayern were like, fucking come on lads, like good days. Yeah, we we we, we, we we've been smacking up Chelsea in the Champions League. <laughs> I've been on smoke this this episode. <laughs> You've been walking into it though. You gave me no option, bro. We, we've but Bayern have handed us a couple five ones as well. So it's yeah, now you're not even, even in the competition now to, to get handed that soon, <laughs> soon. But yeah, then and then the next game, uh, obviously Chelsea, pretty much they're all thereabouts like you know at the top of their game with with outstanding players yeah the year the year after obviously they won the the league um and obviously they were part of the sort of top four of arsenal chelsea liverpool and man united that were just so dominant during that time period drew nil nil at the new camp chelsea probably thought you know this is a good result we can take it and and obviously they played a good game some dodgy refereeing decisions. And if if they gave us a decent referee, then <laughs> this we this podcast would be null, null and void because there'd be no treble. Yeah, I mean, but, but ultimately, in the end, I mean, looking at the goal that Iniesta scored, right, right at the depth, crazy goal. It's just banger, it, a game just, of two great goals. Yeah, as we yeah, discussed yeah. on the previous podcast, it just sums up exactly the, the quality that Barcelona obviously had. Yeah, and obviously, it took them to the to the final in Rome where they met uh, Manchester United side who had just won their third league title in a row. And were the holders of the, Champions the holders League. of the competition. Beating so, Chelsea in the final the year before. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was... <laughs> and yeah, f- funny enough, it's actually, I, I was watching um, the documentary on Amazon, I can't even remember what it's called, but before the game, apparently Pep showed them this video of their journey with the Gladiators music sort of in the background. I read that, man. Because fans, we always say, like, I wonder if the players feel... Like, I always think before final they need to get me in front of the Arsenal man because I feel it. <laughs> the passion will be there but mm. I always but, think with players do they, was, do they feel it? I, I was reading as well and this is, I, I didn't think Iniesta was the sort of guy that had this grit about him but he he had a thigh injury he was carrying into this game yeah a few their players and, and, and Iniesta said I'm going to play I don't care nothing else I'm going to play I'll know I'll make it worse he yeah. said I'll know I'll be on the treatment table all summer they yeah. actually, but I'm playing this game and I'm bringing the trophy back they actually told him not to shoot from distance that's how bad it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and he obviously played. He was instrumental. He, he got the assist for. Well, let's, let's talk about that. So on to the final. Um, it's, it's always hard to judge who was favourites at this time, mainly because I can't fucking remember. But Man United were really strong at this point. They were strong, but I really still think strong. Barcelona were definitely favourites. I, I think Barca were Barca were the best team. They played. They played the best football. Yeah. But United had the experience, and they still had this. Still had Ronaldo. Yeah. Tevez at this point. Rene, uh, yeah, Rooney. Yeah. Rooney. He started a crazy front four. But, yeah, and then United started really well. I mean, um, I think if it wasn't for Victor Valdez, Fred it could have easily been maybe two you know, United in the first five minutes. And yeah. obviously, um, to be fair, the, the Barcelona players do put it down to that video because they said that they were very emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Henri said it was powerful. It was just too powerful, that video. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the end, um, they get a chance. Like you said, Iniesta slides in Eto. Eto, with the outside of his boot, just manages to beat Van der Sar at his near post. And um, it, again, it, it goes back to the positions that the players were occupying in the front line. Uh, Messi had dropped a bit. Dropped a bit and then um, they were working the ball to Eto in a slightly right inside position and he's managed to to get the goal from there. And again, imagine if he'd sold him, a key yeah. man like that, score a key goal like that and he's managed to put them 1-0 up in the final. And another key element of Pep's football, which we've kind of probably underplayed, is possession. And it wasn't possession for possession's sake, it was possession was 
was used as a as a tool of defence. And they just kept the ball so well. And it's, it's, it's probably the worst team you want to go 1-0 down against in the world because they get so much of the ball. The less ball you have as, as a team attacking, the less likely you are going to score. And and it didn't matter who played. Yaya Torre played centre-back that game. Mm, um, mm. I think Puyol played right-back. Henri mm. was, had a slight injury. Iniesta had an injury. And they were still... Silvini had barely played. And I think he played left-back that game. So it didn't matter who played. They could still play that football. And then obviously, uh, the Xavi cross um, in the second half finds the head of <laughs> the shortest man on the pitch, Lionel Messi, who drifts in behind Ferdinand. In be- almost in between Vidic and Ferdinand and gets his head on it. And I think this was the, I think this was the point for me where I was like, yeah, this, this guy could do anything. He just got so high that he... Like, what a header just looped past Van der Sar and you think, yeah, this this team's yeah. problem. Then they're, they're not quitting. And his boot come off, didn't it? Yeah, and I he, remember that. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, Barcelona win the Champions and is League. And is it that is it, is it that game or is it is it the 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 one a couple of years later where it's Fergie and he's like shaking? Have you seen that, Jim? <laughs> no, have you seen is, it? Is that the one at Wembley? I think that was the one at Wembley. That might be the one a few years later. Well, yeah, it yeah. I mean, after that, I remember <laughs> Fergie just saying like, we, we need to, in some capacity, catch up to this team because yeah, they were team. just out of this world. They were so far ahead and so clear that it was just unbelievable, really. And that was only the start of the journey. It was, and we saw what a massive impact, as I said, Tiki Taka um, had on football, not, not just in Spain. I mean, let's just talk about Spain. They had an, a massive impact on the national team. They really just adopted it, not just the, the, the first team, but at all the youth levels as well, the Spanish national team. And, and you saw his impact because in the Euro 2012 final, they started the game without a striker. Yeah. Uh, they had they played yeah. Fabregas kind of in that false nine. And I think if, if you want to see the epitome of an impact or something, that was probably it. And the conversations in England changed as well. We were suddenly obsessed with possession. Yeah. It was all about how much of the ball you have. It was seen almost as more important as, than scoring. And it made players like, I think like people like Cleverly and Joe Allen were like really sought after. And they were seen as like the gods of centre mids at the time. And, and as you said earlier, playing out from the back became so important. And when you talk about total football and tiki-taka and, and things you spoke about earlier that one of the big fundamentals was fluidity in, yeah. in positioning sense and I think the fact that the keeper had to be good on the ball had to come out quickly and all that kind of shows even the keeper wasn't immune from, from this ideal for every position to be fluid and again even in England we saw tactical changes in the clubs in the big clubs in England we saw it in the coaching as well we, the conversations we started having with the regard to the national team there was all this talk about having a blueprint again from the, from the first team all the way down to the youth level investing in coaches all this kind of chat so yeah massive impact and it sort of makes you other. makes you wonder about what whether it's the right place right time plays and all that and I'm kind of expanding this now from Barcelona to 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 the setup in Spain with obviously they 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 won three international tournaments back to back they won year 2008 they won the world cup and then they won 2012 yeah was that because they just had the system right from from the the teams at the top in terms of Barcelona and Real Madrid who who pretty much were probably 10 out of 11 players on, on, on the pitch for for the national side yeah, to, or, to the La, La, La Liga B and whatever, them, them getting their youth teams playing right down to the to grassroots level. You know, is it is it when you're just blessed with this golden generation? We talk about golden generation in England and that's been about eight players. You know, they, they had it across their, their whole kind of football pyramid. And, and what is the what is the crux of it? What kind of takes potential onto the next level when you go and actually you win things time after time, repeated it repeatedly um, and just getting the business done. Yeah, it's probably a bit of both. Their system enabled 
those players to come through and, and they were moulded by the system. So, yeah, it's probably a bit of both to answer that question. But, yeah, you're right. Hopefully England can take some of that on board and come on. Euro 2020 slash Euro 2021 will bring it home. So, yeah, good episode that. Really enjoyable talking about Barcelona. What? What? Just on a final note, I know we've been sucking off Pep all episode and Barcelona. <laughs> it was interesting to see them not retain the Champions League fight, Champions League next year, and obviously they lost to Inter in that semi final where they're outclassed tactically by Mourinho, who obviously, as we said, was the antithesis of, of that kind of football. So it just goes to show as successful as Pep Guardiola and that Barcelona team were, there were gaps to exploit. If you have the tactical now, yeah, so I, I would. With, with Pep and his tactics, I, I'm kind of digressing. I'd love to see him do it with. Don't it with Barcelona B. Don't it with Barcelona. I'd, I'd, I'd like. I'd like to see Pep, him. Pep, I'd, 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 that with every manager. I'd, li- I'd like to see always, him do it. Pep has always said that he, without the players, he can't do it. He's he's admitted it. Did, well, that's what I'm saying. I'd, I'd I'd like to see him do it with a sort of like a team of sort of. But why? I, I never get when people say that. Why? I, I didn't. I don't want to see Alex. I didn't want to see Alex Ferguson manage Wolves. <laughs> I don't know if we're sort of finished now, but uh, we'll wrap it. We'll wrap it. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Peace to the mandem. Peace to the mandem from Barcelona. Listening. Hola. Gracias. How do you say bye? But bombardera, bombardera. <laughs> <laughs>